0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. If a man is mean, cruel, unkind, rude, and woefully despised by those he knew, is that enough a reason to kill? Hatred, fueled by cruelty, meanness, callousness, malice, and overall, heartlessness. Are these reasons to kill a man? And would you kill a man who harbored your political secrets? A shadowy, sly, and guile slither of a man who threatens you and those that support you? And what of an unassuming rabbit who should change the direction of the entire case? One rabbit whose mere presence answers a clue that Nero would launch himself from and into a prosecuting attack of such detective prowess. Listeners, I have for you today, the Friendly Rabbit and The Impolite Corpse by Nero Wolf. Two episodes back to back, remastered, repaired, and tweaked just for you. If you like what you hear, support me on Patreon for a cover tier a month at patreon.com forward slash SFGT, and you'll find me. And leave an iTunes review to support the show that way as well. Now turn up the sound, folks, and take a journey with me, Nero Wolf and Archie, with a double episode. Just for you lot. Enjoy.
1: Nero Wolf is the greatest detective in the world, and the fattest, and the least energetic. Nero Wolf, created by Rex Stout, and brought to you over this NBC network in a new series of adventures by Mr. Sidney Greenstreet. Nero Wolf. Tonight, it's the case Nero Wolfe likes to remember as the case of the friendly rabbit. He sometimes prefers his proverb scrap. It began in lots of places. Let's take a look at a few of them. In particular, the richly appointed library of a man named V.
2: Mr. V, what's happening?
1: Relax, Haynes, your blood pressure. I thought it was a gag, but you really are shutting the club down. I'm shutting it down. Why? I got the joint roll and the suckers are pulling in. And next week, the Governor's Committee... Huh? It's moving out of Baylor County. Our joint enterprise is in Baylor County. I think the club needs a rest. Crime committees so rarely admire gambling. Oh, that's different. So it is. The club needs a rest. You need a vacation. Florida, perhaps. I don't like Florida. Pick any place you like, just so long as you get out of reach of a subpoena. The heat's on, huh, boss? You've just coined a phrase that may very well catch on. Get out and stay out of the state until I send for you. Okay, Mister V. Sure, Mister V. Marshall. Yeah. That about covers us in Baylor, am I right? Yeah, right. The dear Governor's dear committee will be sorely disappointed. However, I doubt it'll give up quite so soon.
2: I wouldn't think so. Therefore, have the truck
1: driver deliver another shipment of carrots to the rabbit farm. Eh, Marshal? Okay, boss. Come in, Williams. Good afternoon, Governor. Good afternoon. Williams, I'm disturbed. The crime committee, sir? It was doing well, very well. And then... I know, sir. There's a leak. Someone is passing on confidential information. Who? That's the problem. Who? Started three weeks ago. A three-man committee, Wilson McCarthy Tolliver. One of them, Williams? I'd stake my life, sir, no. Then who? You've forgotten Carlier, committee secretary. You have reason to suspect him? No, nothing that means anything. Except... You do suspect him. He's been watched, telephone calls checked, mail... I have no reason to suspect him, except that one thing bothers me. What's that? He has a small farm in Greendale County. He rarely went near the place in all the time he's been up here at the Capitol. But that suddenly changed. Three weeks ago? Yes, sir. He's been staying at the farm for three weeks. Is there anything unusual about that farm? Nothing unusual, except Jimmy Collier has gone in for raising rabbits.
3: Jimmy.
1: Who? you Oh, hello, Clara.
3: You've been hiding from me. I've
1: I've been out here with the rabbits.
3: Jimmy, what's wrong?
1: With what? You. There's nothing. You're
3: lying. We grew up together, remember? We lived next to each other, Jimmy. We were going to be married.
1: Hey, wait a minute. We still are, last I heard.
3: You haven't heard recently enough. What does that mean? It means we're not getting married.
1: But, Claire, You've been
3: avoiding me. And you've been getting money. Lots of money from someplace. And in a shady way, I feel...
1: All right, you know. So what?
3: I've been concerned about your sudden devotion to these these rabbits. And the kind of men you've been seeing. What do you mean? Like the one up at the house now, waiting for you.
1: Oh, there's somebody waiting?
3: That's why I came down here after you. I'd better get up there. He's a crook, Jimmy.
1: Look, I... All right. I sort of got myself in a mess. I needed money and... But it's over, Claire. No more. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure.
3: I wish I could believe you. For your own sake. But I feel I can't. Not
4: anymore.
1: Archie. Yes, Mr. Wolf.
2: I either stop breathing so heavily or... Take the evening off? Stop breathing.
1: Old Dr. Tidmouse wouldn't approve of that.
2: Two in blue and assorted blazes as old Dr. Tidmouse. My family doctor. this keep your puny mind, but you don't have a family... Answer the phone. Oh, but it
1: might be a case. It might be very important. It might mean work, Mr. Wolf.
2: Archie.
1: W O R K. You've got millions in the bank. Why worry?
2: Confound you. Do you want me to answer the phone myself?
1: Now you've got me. No, Mr. Wolf. Couldn't let you knock yourself out lifting a telephone receiver. Near Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. But Wait, Mr. Wolf is to go up to Greendale at. Oh, now look, friend. Mr. Wolf does not go anywhere, and that includes Greendale. He wouldn't stir out of the house for anybody short of the. Uh, but. I see. Yes, sir, in an hour. Goodbye. Mr. Wolf, brace yourself. You've got an appointment with a Mr. Williams at the Starlight Hotel in Greendale for
2: one hour from now. You're insane. No, I'll admit I've been tempted. Sure, eh? were well, it not for the fact that often the native view of resolution is sickly to over the pale
1: cast of thought. Quoting Hamlet will get you no place. I would fire you. And then who would drive you to the Starlight Hotel in Greendale? I'm not going to Green Day. Nevertheless, in an hour you will
2: be there. And who may I inquire, Cecil? The governor of the state. Is that all, Mr. Williams? That, Mr. Wolf, is all anyone knows about the situation. Except the guilty man, of course. An admirably clear summary, Mr. Williams.
1: Obviously, our meeting here at the hotel was necessary. I couldn't be seen entering your house, nor would it have been advisable
2: for you to visit the governor. I can appreciate that. You're quite sure I need pay no attention to anyone on the committee except James Collier? Quite sure. Police surveillance of Collier is deemed unwise. You're suddenly taking interest in rabbits, but although keeping them may perhaps be considered suspicious, it is hardly in itself of value. You have no other evidence against Collier? I know we're clutching at straws, Mr. Wolf. but there is a leak and work is being nullified. Something must be done. Hence the
1: governor's call for you.
2: Very well, sir. I shall uh, attempt to be more than uh, a man clutching at a straw. <laughs> I shall attempt. Archie, back. We shall stay at Greendale near Collier and his rabbits.
1: Mr. Wolf? Mr. Wolf? Oh, naturally, I know that shutting your eyes and pushing your lips in and out indicates you're thinking feverishly, but there's nothing for you to think about. Fui. Oh I accept your correction. What are you thinking about?
2: Hotel beds. They're notoriously flimsy.
1: Oh, you gave up on the case so soon.
2: Fiddlesticks. I already know exactly what role the rabbits play in our problem. Therefore... We're going to drive out to Collier's farm? You are. While you test the hotel beds, fine. It will be necessary for you to spend the night at Collier's place. You will drive out there and pretend you've lost a cylinder or something. <laughs> oh, a
1: lost cylinder!
2: Oh, fine. Confound you, Archie! You can invent something plausible as a pretext, and if you are properly charming, Mister Collier will, I hope, invite you to stay the night. And during the night, I sleep hmm? happily, breathing the fresh country air.
1: <laughs> Trust me. <not. laughs> okay, Mister Wolfe, I accept the assignment. I will learn all I can from Mr. Collier's rabbits. Incidentally, remember the play Harvey? I do. Why? Harvey was an invisible rabbit, a figment of a man's imagination. I hope this rabbit venture is more tangible, Mr. Wolfe.
2: It is, Mr. Goodwin. Will you desist in depart? Okay, okay.
1: Oh, uh, if anyone calls, just say I've gone out to Greendale to cross-examine a rabbit.
2: Hmm? Magic. I think you're going to be quite
5: surprised. Yes,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: running out of gas, and me such a big boy. Hmm. Yeah. Hello. Uh, hello. A tree a friend of yours? The, the tree? Yeah, the one you're clutching.
3: Oh, I, I was leaning against it.
1: It's an idea, but not a good one. Trees are notoriously skittish. The instant you really need one, they're out sowing wild oaks or something.
3: You sound as if you know a lot about trees. Oh,
1: I do. I was brought up in one. Look, now, if you really have to lean, I can recommend no, thanks. You. I tried. Nice moonlight we're having. My name is Goodwin and blondes call me Archie.
3: I'm not blonde.
1: Brunettes call me Archie, too.
3: And what do redheads call you?
1: (laughs) We'll just skip that. And your
3: name is... Claire.
1: Claire. I approve. Now, you may not believe this, but I have just run out of gas. You think I might wangle some up at your house?
3: My house? You mean Jimmy's house.
1: All right, I mean Jimmy's house.
3: Well, I... I don't know. He might have some. Now, why
1: don't we go up to the house and ask him?
3: Well, well all right. Mm-hmm. Jimmy who? Collier.
1: Uh-huh. I like to be formal when I'm borrowing gas. Would you mind waving your left hand in front of my nose?
3: Waving, Mike?
1: Yes, just try it. Don't worry. I won't bite it.
3: I did. And
1: very gracefully, too. No ring on the third finger. You're not Mrs. Collier.
3: There isn't any Mrs. Collier.
1: Are you applying for the position?
3: Mr. Goodwin, I...
1: Now, remember what I confided in you about brunettes. (laughs) All right. Mm -hmm.
3: Archie, you're a little rapid.
1: Maybe. But I always remember what old Dr. Tidmouse said.
3: What did he say?
1: Gather your rosebuds while you may. Old time is still a flying.
3: Robert Herrick wrote that. He
1: did? Dr. Tidmouse is a liar. How much farther is this house?
3: Well, it's just beyond those trees. I... (laughs) What? uh... Oh, I... There was something ran across the path. It brushed my legs, frightened me. It must have been a rabbit. I, I guess it was. Oh, I'm sorry. There was silly of me. Oh,
1: don't worry about it. Also, you will have noticed how much more satisfactory I am than a tree. We're clutching at it moments of stress. I mean, Archie. Mm-hmm. But you better let go now.
3: What I? And
1: we'll get on to the house. See, I don't need a haircut, and you're not the right type for Delilah anyway.
3: You mean something by that. Something nasty.
1: Well, that depends. What I meant is you've already signaled whoever you're supposed to signal. Nothing frightened you back there. Why? That scream had a lot of carrying power. Oh, that's the house, huh? Looks peaceful enough. Archie, Who were you supposed to warn if anyone came up the path to the house?
3: Well, no one. Something did frighten you. Honey,
1: I've been lied to by experts, and you're not one. Ah... Think I ought to knock? No, we don't think I ought to knock. Dark inside. Except for a handful of moonlight filtering in through the windows. Kind of early for Callie to turn in, isn't it?
3: I wouldn't know.
1: Let's go find
4: out. <gasps> now relax, relax.
1: Grandpa's making with the chimes. Time is... Yeah, ten o'clock.
5: Oh, it's getting late.
1: Come on. This would be the living room. Filled with early American furniture. The early Americans would be pleased. Nothing here. What's that door lead to?
4: I... I don't know.
1: Or won't tell. Hmm. Smaller room. Darkest. As...
5: Come in. Put the beer on it. Oh, you're not the
1: bellboy. I'm sorry. I should have remembered to bring some beer.
2: Indeed, and you are? I'm a fellow guest at this hotel, Mr. Wolf.
1: My name is Leek.
2: Leek, I am uh, yes, a criminal of moderate intelligence and immoderate pretensions.
1: We so won't quarrel, Mr. Wolfe. I have something to offer you. You and your boy Goodwin didn't drive up to Greendale for the exercise.
2: I dislike exercise. Shortens life.
1: James Collier lives nearby. The Governor's Committee on Crime is unhappy. There's been a leakage of information. It hasn't helped them in their work. But it has helped you. You wouldn't have left your house in New York on any ordinary job. A request from the Governor, however. Shall we stop fencing?
2: Hmm. I don't have to fence with you. The Committee's work doesn't particularly
1: bother me. I've already made my arrangements for retiring from active business, shall I say. However, I don't want you messing around in the meantime. Mm Indeed. In your effort to discover how the committee's information leaked out, you might also discover a number of things about me that I prefer to remain undiscovered.
2: No one has employed me to do anything about you, sir.
1: Not directly, but indirectly you might have to. I want to insure myself against any such possibility. I want to make a deal with you. I'm ready to supply you with the name of the man responsible for the leak and papers proving his guilt. I have them here.
2: In return for which you expect... A quick conclusion to your
1: activities and your return to New York, leaving my name out of your reports.
2: I'm neither a public official nor a philanthropist. I should do nothing about you unless it becomes necessary. You may remove your hand from your pocket. You wouldn't
5: dare shoot me. me. Now then, the name of the man? James Collier. Proof of his guilt? These. A series
1: of reports on the committee's meetings in Collier's handwriting.
2: Thank you. Good night, sir. Good night. And I hope for your sake that we
1: do
5: not meet again. Archie, answer the. Oh. Hello? Mr. Wolf? Yes,
2: Archie. I'm at the Collier Place. Since it takes only ten minutes to get there, may I congratulate you on your speed? I've
1: been at the Collier Place for nearly an
2: hour. Doing what? Oh. For one thing, discussing rosebuds. Your delay has been explained. Good night. And for
1: another, I was being around when someone got
2: murdered. Ah, you laid hands on the murderer? No,
1: the room was dark. By the time I got Claire untangled from me and started looking for somebody with a gun, he'd left.
2: I see. And the dead man, of course, is James Collier. No, sorry. Found it. It had to be. Who was he? Total stranger. Ah, chief. I'm not being difficult. There was no
5: identification on him. Strange. A description. Early thirties, height maybe 5'10", weight around 175 pounds. Blonde hair,
1: blue eyes, very natty dresser. Suit custom tailored with a built-in shoulder holster. Don
4: Juan shirts. Manicured, but very dirty fingernails. And the... Uh-oh.
5: Company. Please.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Very well, you tell them whatever
2: you think proper, without mentioning the governor's committee, of course. You'll then bid them farewell and come to the hotel.
4: can I say goodbye to Claire, too?
2: You cannot confine you, Archie. Do you think I want to wait up all night? Police were not happy
1: about letting me go, but I threatened to tell you on them, so they gave up.
2: You have told me the entire story of what occurred at the Collier farm, Archie? Mm
4: Mm-hmm. All
1: details. If you like, I wouldn't mind repeating the parts about Claire. You You may call it Pui, I call it love. By the way, did you know that it was Robert Herrick who wrote it's that book? Po- I'm to be quiet. Okay, push your lips around, but you've missed something. I have? Mm-hmm. The burning question of the day. night, brother. Which is? Where is James Collier? Ah! Stop vying. The cops want him on suspicion of murder. The way it shapes up, he shot our unknown pal and then headed for the nearest border. Nonsense. You mean he didn't shoot our unknown pal?
2: I mean, Collier's whereabouts are not a mystery.
1: You know where he is? I know where he is. I don't believe it. You couldn't know. You haven't been out of the hotel. You haven't had any calls. Archie, I use my intelligence. If you had used yours instead of holding the girl. I still wouldn't know where Collier is. Never mind. I'm impressed. What do I do now?
5: You get Mr. Veek on the phone.
1: Huh?
5: He's staying here at the hotel. Oh. Old home week. Operator. Mr. Veek, please. Hello? Hello, Mr. Veek? Who is this? Mr. Wolf wants to speak with you. Just a second. Here you are, sir.
2: Thank you. Mr. V., where were you at 10 o'clock?
4: Why, on my way to the hotel.
2: You checked in at
4: 10.15, then came directly to your room.
2: One other question. You have an employee, a man in his early 30s, blonde haired, blue eyed, and well dressed. Am I correct?
4: Yes. That is Marshall.
2: No, that was Marshall. Good night, sir. Having
1: done that, whatever it meant, we now go to sleep we go to
2: the collier farm. Okay, but why? Because, uh... Archie, the time has come to cross-examine the rabbits. (laughs) Confound you, Archie. You're not driving a truck. Be careful. Truck drivers are careful. Also, they are courteous. Indeed. Furthermore, they will always stop to help a
1: motorist in time of trouble.
2: Archie, are you training to become a truck driver, or have you fallen in love with a truck driver's daughter?
1: Her name is Susie. Her
2: hair the color of wheat fields at high... No, never
1: mind turning purple. I'm about to change the subject. Boss, I have a theory. Stick to truck drivers. As follows. Our boy Collier had been selling information to Veek, had a change of heart, and decided to turn ethical. But Veek's man, Marshall, at Veek's orders, tried to apply pressure, so Collier shot him... Headed for Canada. Uh, And the girls roll. Must have brightened my life.
2: (sighs) Oh, you mean about her playing sentry?
1: Well, she's in Veek's employ, too. Toy. Don't like my theory.
2: It's charming. Merely happens to be wrong.
1: Merely happens to be... Why is it wrong?
2: Because Archie of a dead man's dirty fingernails, Marshall's
1: fingernails. Well, you made me bring you to the rabbit hutches. We have arrived.
2: There are the rabbits. Go ahead, cross examine them.
4: Hmm, good
2: many hutches. A large pen for the rabbits to run about in. Notice that they're all cowering at the far end of the pen, ran as we entered.
1: That's because they don't like us, maybe, huh?
2: <laughs> one of them, however, seems to be friendly. The one up here,
5: in at the corner opposite us.
1: Of... Oh yeah, there is one here. He's not friendly, Mr. Wolf. Indeed? He? He's dead. Somebody stole in his skull. Interesting. What's interesting about a dead rabbit?
2: He may be dead now, Archie, but he was friendly. Too friendly.
1: Claire, this is Mr. Wolf. Mr. Wolf, this is Claire. Claire, I'm Archie.
5: Bye, chair,
1: Archie. A chair. Try this one. Be gentle with it. If you break it, all the early Americans will hate you
4: it yes, sir, serve. Steady. Oh.
3: Well, now then. Mr. Wolfe, I'm dreadfully tired. The police
2: have Are idiots. What? For example, do they know that you were posted as sentry outside this house in order to warn James Collier of any intrusion?
3: Well, they don't... I wasn't.
2: I... Do they know James Collier and the dead man Martian were quarreling? No. Do they know that James Collier had armed himself in preparation for this meeting with the gunman? That
3: isn't true. It is true. I don't have to say anything.
2: You've already said more than enough with your actions, my dear.
3: What What do you mean?
2: According to Archie's report, and Archie's always meticulously accurate, when you and he opened the door of the room in which the murder took place, you screamed at the shots.
3: Well, of course. Any
2: girl would scream with then you clung to Archie with sufficient force and for sufficient length of time to prevent him from chasing the murderer. Why? I... Because you had seen and recognized the murderer as the man you loved. It was too dark to see anything.
5: True. Therefore, you didn't have to see the man. You thought you already knew who the killer had to be.
3: That... That's a lie.
5: You're shielding James Collier, aren't you?
3: I'll never admit any of it. Never.
5: may not be necessary. Archie. Yes, Mr. Wolfe?
2: Get hold of that policeman outside and remember what happened to one particular rabbit.
5: Well, uh, look around for freshly dug earth. Midnight. What
3: what are we waiting for? A
5: return? Archie's? No, it'll take him longer.
3: Well, then
2: whose? <gasps> Mr. Week's, of course, complete with a revolver.
3: Come in, Mr.
2: Week.
1: It couldn't have been easier. No one outside, only the two of you here. I warned you, Wolf.
2: Fiddlesticks, you merely tried to use me as a prop for an alibi and a rationalization for a motive.
3: I don't understand. Mr.
2: Wolf does. Indeed, I do. Did you really think me fool enough to believe your proposal, Mr. Week? It was plausible. It was nonsense. You pretended you were handling James Collier plus the proofs of his guilt over to me in an effort to keep yourself out of the picture. But your proposition was silly. No matter how much I might have wanted to help you, I would have been powerless once James Collier went before a jury. You're too intelligent not to know that.
1: That couldn't have given you enough to go on.
2: It didn't. You yourself gave me more. I did. When you came to my room, you told me you knew Mr. Goodwin and I had come to Greendale, checked in at the hotel... I did. However, when I phoned you later and asked for an account of your movements between 10 and 10.30, you replied that you had driven to the hotel, signed in, and came directly to my room. Obviously, you already knew of my presence in the hotel. How? I, uh... Only one way you could have known. You had seen Archie at some time prior to the time you checked at the hotel, and the only place where Archie was... It was
3: here, at the farm.
2: Yes, which told me Mr. Vick had been here at the time of Marshall's
5: death. What was the doing here? Only one thing. Murder.
3: Then he killed the gunman.
5: Well, a possibility.
3: But, Jimmy, I thought he did it.
2: James Collier couldn't have killed Marshall because at the time he was killed, James Collier was already... Already
4: dead. Archie! What's this? See, let's play. I've got that gun first. My arm! That's nice and cooperative. So...
5: He'll be quiet for a while. The cop is back in the rabbit pen, Mr. Wolf, guarding Collier's grave. Grave, Archie? Yeah. With James Collier in it. Oh. Poor Jimmy. Veek knew the
1: expose was coming. He had to shut Collier up. So he had his gunman, Marshall, kill Collier and bury him in the rabbit run back of the hutches. You spotted that, boss, because of You're the dead
5: rabbit. rabbit.
2: The other scurried away from the man who bore James Collier's body to that lonely spot. But one rabbit overcame his fear. He was too friendly. And got
1: killed for it. There was that and... And
2: the dirty fingernails of Marshall, the gunman who killed and buried James Collier. Your description indicated extreme neatness. The dirty fingernails were a wrong note.
1: Yeah, indicated he'd been digging. So we know now, don't we? Vic killed his own trigger man to frame a dead man for it. Carly would be
5: thought guilty. He'd be hunted among the living, and all the while. Oh, I'm... I'm sorry, Claire.
3: It's all right, Archie. I didn't love Jimmy. That was all washed up. Mr. Wolf, I understand everything, except why did Jimmy suddenly start staying at the farm with the rabbits?
5: He knew he'd be
2: watched. He couldn't risk conveying his information by telephone or the mails. Nor could he be seen holding conversation with men who might be traced to weeks. But who would suspect a truck driver delivering carrots for the rabbits as being the go-between
3: for Jimmy Collier and Beek?
1: Nero Wolf. Which is why I hope there's an adequate bed in this house for Mr. Wolf.
3: I'm sure I'll be able to find one. Splendid, Archie.
2: You will have the police remove Mr. Veek, and then... And then, then I... maybe Claire would like to
5: uh, go gathering rosebuds huh? By moonlight? I would like to. True I you go up to bed now, I seen the moonlight
2: more times than I care to remember. However, while you and Miss Claire stroll through the moonlight, Archie. Yeah? You might remember that rosebuds have thorns.
1: <laughs> Tonight, it's the case of the impolite corpse. It began on a certain night at eight forty when Walter Channing, an advertising executive, was dictating in his office to his charming secretary, Brenda Barclay. Brenda, take a memo.
6: Yes, Mr. Channing.
1: This is to be mimeographed and sent to the entire staff. The
6: entire staff, yes, sir.
1: Notice, effective at once, one-hour lunch periods will be strictly enforced. Employees will post time of departure and time of return. Yes, what is it? Mr. Channing... Bennett, I'm busy. Well, I've got to see you, Mr. Channing... About this afternoon... This afternoon was unfortunate, Bennett, but it happened. I lost my
2: temper. I'm sorry. So am I. Mr. Channing, I have been with the firm 14 years, and I... Well, because a man blows up once in
1: 14 years... Mr.
6: Channing's office. Oh,
1: you've got to reconsider. That's all, Mr. Channing. I never reconsider, Bennett.
4: It's your
6: wife. But
1: Mr. Channing... That will be all, Bennett. It won't be all. You can't wipe out 14 years of a man's life... Even you can't do that
5: Chen.
6: It's Mrs. Channing on the phone.
5: Oh. Hello? You're where? That's in this building. Since when has Dr. Ellis kept evening office hours? I told you
1: there's nothing wrong with you. No, I can't. I don't know when I'll be through. And I don't want you hanging around up here. Well, take a cab or walk. I don't care what you do.
5: What? I can't understand you. What? What? Goodbye,
6: Doris. Where was I? Walter. Yes? You are going to reconsider about Tom Bennett, aren't you? Bennett was insolent this afternoon. I won't tolerate insolence. Yes? Shine, Mr. Turning? Shine? No! What's he doing
1: down here this time of night?
6: Half the staff's working overtime. Kelly's an enterprising shoeshine boy. Might have missed someone on his rounds this afternoon. Walter, about Tom Bennett. Forget Bennett!
4: Look, You upset
6: the inkwell. Quick, (laughs) block the stuff. Yes, of
1: course. Did any spill on you? Sparta, my trouser cuff. Lucky you didn't get on the carpet.
6: Walter, about Tom Bennett. I told
1: you to forget Bennett.
6: All right, Walter,
1: all right. Well, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you'd be better off to use him as a model. A model? If he knows he's not wanted around here, he'll have the self-respect to get out. Meaning? Well, you've known for a long time you're not wanted. And you're still here.
6: How you'd like to fire me.
1: Denying that would be silly.
6: I've been with this firm 15 years in January. Employees get a bonus of stock shares after 15 years service. That's what I'm waiting for, and you know it.
1: Suppose we get back to that memorandum.
6: You'd like to get me out before I collect those shares, wouldn't you? I said,
1: let's get on with the memo.
6: You'd be petty enough to do it, too, if you knew how.
1: There may be a way. There isn't, and you know
6: it. I'm too careful. You can't fire me without cause, and I've given you no cause, Walter. Nothing you can possibly dictate one of your vicious little memorandums about. Don't try my patience too far, Brenda. Walter, what? This this can't be us talking like this. You and me hating each other.
1: (laughs) I find it remarkable there ever was anything between us except hate. Walter. I mean it. Look at you. You were flashy when I met you. You're getting flashier. That means cheaper, Brenda. Stop it. Too much lipstick. Too much rouge? Hair too bright? Dress too tight? You're trying too hard, Brenda. You're labeling yourself like a sound wagon.
6: I wonder what it is that stops
5: me from killing you. Cowardice, of course.
1: Now, when you've stopped sniveling, we'll get on with a memorandum.
5: You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Notice. In the interest of economy and efficiency... Junior
1: executives will confer in the conference room, not in private offices. Mid-afternoon coffee and personal phone calls and daily shoe shines will be eliminated.
2: Your name is Barkley, Brenda Barkley. Very well, Miss Barkley. What can I do for you?
6: Mr. Wolf, I. I don't know how to begin.
1: Well, maybe I can make this easier all around by briefing Mr. Wolf on the Walter Channing case. Uh, hey, that's funny. What? Violet eyes. I always thought they were something the poets made up.
2: Archie, huh? Oh, the Ch- the the Channing case. Yes. One moment, Miss Barclay. Look this way, please. Hmm? Me and I is functional object found in mammals, birds, fish, potatoes, and horticulture. Thank you. Go on, Archie.
1: Walter Channing was the boy wonder of advertising. At 33, executive vice president of Winslow, Hart, and Straitmeyer. Just 24 hours ago, they found him at his desk, shot through the heart.
2: They? Who is they?
1: A uh, night porter and a shine boy. Is that right? Yes. Mm. He'd been dead about an hour. The bullet went through Channing, his desk chair, and lodged in the windowsill behind him. Police thought at first it was suicide. The gun? A uh, 38. found it on the floor, 10 feet away. No fingerprints. Anyhow, no clear ones.
2: Seldom are on a gun, but you say suicide was suspected. Why? The gun was ten feet from the body.
4: It was the, the...
6: the smudges.
2: Smudges? Powder burns.
1: According to the papers, he was sitting at his desk. There were no signs of a struggle. The gun was held against his chest and fired.
6: But it wasn't suicide, Mr. Wolf. Walter Channing would never have killed himself.
1: The police have already decided that, finally, according to the evening papers.
2: And I presume you, Miss Barkley,
6: are a suspect. No, not yet.
2: But you expect to be. And that's why you came to me.
6: When the police talked to her, I... Uh-huh. Doris, his wife. I've been Walter Channing's secretary for eight years. At one time, we we thought we were in love. Mrs. Channing was aware of this? Yes. Oh, it was a long time ago. It was over. It was finished a long time ago. But she never believed that. Neither did Alan. Alan who? Alan Melick, head of the media department at the agency. We were going to be married when I... When Walter and I... Decided
2: you were in love? Miss Barkley, who finally decided you were not? You or Mr. Channing? He did. I see. Mr. Melick believes you did not share this change of heart.
6: Yes. Oh, he's such a fool.
2: I dare say you fear Mrs. Channing or Mr. Melick or both will reveal this ill-fated romance.
6: You know what the papers will make of it. What the police will try to make of it.
2: Uh, Miss Barkley, did you kill Channing? No.
6: Oh, no, I swear I didn't. Oh, Mr. Wolf, I didn't. Please.
2: For heaven's sake, no tears. Archie, put her in a cab. Yes, sir. Then come up to the plump room. There are some things I want you to execute for me. Yes, sir. Women. Bah!
1: Yes, Miss Goodman, I'm Abe Jackson, the night porter.
2: It was working late that night. And Mr. Channon, his secretary, Mr. Bennett, Mr. Mulick and his secretary... Uh, about ten thirty, I met the shoe shine Kelly on Mister Channing's floor. It was
1: a light burning in Channon's place? We went in to turn it off. Kelly and me, and there he was sitting at his desk a hole as big in his chest. Tell me, Mister Bennett, did Channing have any enemies in the agency? Uh, Channing was a slave way, Mister Kidderman. The girls hated him, and men were afraid of him. He'd send out memos like this one around. Here, take a look at it. It's typical. No coffee, no shoe shines, no office conferences. If you want my opinion as one employee out of 150, whoever killed Walter Channing did the rest of us a favor.
2: Channing, get his shoes you? They call the agency men, sir. You know it was Jackson and me found him. Everyone else had gone and left himself, poor soul, sitting at his desk, dead. Uh, this specimen of an enormous tree orchid. Beautiful, isn't it, Mrs. Channing? Hmm.
6: Mr. Melick? Mm-hmm. I could never quite like orchids. They have no smell, you know.
1: It's pretty, all right, but tulips are more in my line, Mr. Wolf.
6: Tulips, Mr. Mealy?
1: I had a stand of emperors this spring.
2: Emperors, come in, Archie. Emperors, Mr. Mealy? That's the name of a tulip, Mr. Wolf. A peasant fly. I've heard of it, of course. Archie. Mrs. Channing, Mr. Mellick, my assistant, Mr. Goodwin. Mr.
6: Goodwin.
2: You didn't know you had company.
6: Mr. Wolfe asked us here to explain why Brenda Barkey is worried.
2: And you have both agreed to respect her position?
6: Brenda
1: ought to know I'd never tell the police anything to get her into trouble. Fully, Sir? He said fully, Mr. Mellick, meaning he doubts what you say and does not admit your right to say it. Archie,
2: Mr. Mellick, you say you had never intentionally inform on Miss Barkey. Certainly not. The tongue slips, sir. We would expect you to guard your.
4: What? Do you think. What that... I
6: started to say. You asked us here because Brenda Barkley is your client. I despise Miss Barkley. Everyone knows that and why. But I wouldn't stoop to implicating her in murder.
2: You believe her innocent, then, Mrs. Channing?
6: I believe she lacks the gumption to pull a traitor. Poison, I wouldn't put past her at all. Mr. Mealy, would you be kind enough to see me home?
1: Of course, Mrs. Channing. Good day, Mr. Wolf. Good day. And Mr. Goodwin.
2: You have, I suppose, an exhaustive report from me, Archie? Seven pages of notes. Save them and get me a bottle of beer.
1: You're in a rosy
2: mood. What happened? I said I would like a bottle of beer.
1: No, you wouldn't. Archie, you better... Don't puff up about it. Those vest buttons won't stand the strain. I can't get you a bottle of beer. Why not? You ordered me to hold you to four a
2: day. I rescind the order.
1: You also ordered me not to let you rescind the order. What's the matter with you, anyhow?
2: I've had to entertain two very dull people too long.
1: Both those dull people are prime suspects. Mrs. Channing is a woman scorned. Melick lost his girl to the guy who was killed.
2: I can't blame her for throwing him over. Archie, the man grows tulips. What? Chewiest.
1: Well, give me your report. I checked the agency. Everybody who was working down there the night of the murder... Also, I dropped in on Inspector Kramer at homicide. Also, I visited the morgue. Why the morgue? Because if I hadn't, you'd have said why not the morgue. Go on. I drew a blank there. Kramer let me look at the clothes Channing was wearing. There was an ink stain on the left trouser cuff. An ink stain? And a hole through his shirt front with plenty of powder smudge like the paper set. He was shot with a .38 at point-blank range, sitting down.
2: An imparate corpse. What? Discourteous. He didn't rise to meet his murderer. That is most significant, Archie. I know. I've got a
1: theory about this case. No theories, facts, if you please. But look, Channing owned a 38. That's a fact. It's disappeared. That's another fact. The murder gun was a thirty-eight with the numbers filed off, and it could be Channing's own gun.
2: Thereby proving what, Archie? That his wife had access to it. Your theory involves Mrs. Channing, then?
1: And Melick. She decides her husband is less trouble to her, dead than alive. A regrettable tendency of wives. Have you noticed? <laughs> and she sells Melick on the idea. Now, that wouldn't be hard. They figure to make it look like suicide, but Melick loses his head and runs, drops the gun on his way out, and... Oh. You don't buy it.
5: Enough of theories, the facts, Archie.
2: Out of your notebook.
1: One. Nine people were on the scene that night, working late for one reason or another.
2: Mrs. Channing tells me she was visiting a doctor's office in the same building, by the way. Two.
1: Every one of those people hated Channing. Three. Here's a sample of why he wasn't popular.
2: Memorandum? Dictated
1: the night he was killed. The staff got it the next morning. Hmm. A whipcracker, ah, Mr. Channing. Fact four, the ink stain on this trouser cup was partly rubbed out. With what? Cleaner of some kind. I didn't get the brand. Fact five, there's a spot on the carpet near Channing's chair. Spot of what? Ink, Blood? Looks like ink. It looks like ink. Well, I didn't analyze it on the spur of the moment. My chemical set isn't working so good, boss.
2: And... Archie, I want two things. Yes, sir. Get over to headquarters. The police have Channing's trousers. Suggest to Inspector Kramer that he have the stain analyzed. Suggest also that the spot on the carpet be analyzed at the same time. Be around him when the information arrives. This is be kind to the police week? Pooey. I never have sought to meet the police on matters of fact. Only on interpretation. Deduction. Get going. Oh, and Archie. Yes? When you return, I should discourse upon the sanctity of desk hood.
1: The sanctity of what hood?
2: Desk hood. Now be off with you, and please remember you're tracking a murderer. Don't stub your toe. Good
1: one. The thing on the carpet was a dye of some kind. Dye, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. How long will it take the lab to give you the analysis on it, Inspector? Oh, not very long. I've got the report on what was used on the trouser cuff right now, though. And? And? They found traces of carbon tetrachloride. Wait a minute. This goes in the notebook. A-carbon tetrachloride and something else. Goodwin, what's Wolf after?
2: Interpretations
1: was what he said, Inspector. You object? No. Maybe I'll get an interpretation, too. The something else was perchloroethylene. Perchlorethylene. why, Inspector? Such language! Oh, mm. what? what?
4: Energy. the phone. Thank you. Hello? Mr. Wolf? Yes?
6: This is Brenda Barkley. Oh, Mr. Wolf.
2: What is it, Miss Barkley?
6: You've got to come to Mr. Channing's office right
4: away, Mr. Wolf.
2: Mr. Goodwin has been to your office. Everything I need to know, here You've got a... to
4: come, Mr. Wolf.
2: Nonsense. I don't go out. My digestion disapproves of it. I disapprove of it. But,
6: Mr. Goodwin, he's in danger. What was that? Terrible danger. He needs
4: you here at once.
2: Urgent in danger? Let me talk to him.
4: Please come, Hello. Berkeley.
2: Fritz, get out out of the car. Bring me my wool muffler and worsted vest. See if you can find my galoshes. Confound it, I've got to go out. Go on up. Step to the rear of the car, please. Mister, will you please step back? I'm back as far as I can go. You are? Elevators. Contraptions for little men. Come, come, take me up, young man.
4: Hold it. Hold
2: that car. I'm late for a date with a blonde. Sixteenth floor, buddy. Evening, Mr. Goodwin. Good evening. I
1: was told you were in danger. Danger? I.
2: Mr. Wolf? You were. What are you doing out, down here? Sparks' idea. About me being in danger? Obviously, she was lying, I suspected at the time. But I fell in with a suggestion. I'm anxious to end the case. My presence here is needed. don't understand why she'd do such a thing. And why is your presence needed? Sixth floor.
1: It's a matter of uh, <laughs> perspective. Uh-huh. Brenda's got a very nice perspective. She'll be around here someplace. The agency's got this whole floor. And, it is? Down this corridor, next to Channing's. Oh, well, Kramer came through on those reports from the lab. That smudge on the carpet wasn't ink. It was a dye. Powdered aniline. Brenda!
6: Oh, oh Mr. Wolf, thank haven't you here?
1: Hey, I'm here too. At
6: the police, they questioned me again this afternoon. I'm so frightened, Mr. Wolf. You've got to find the murderer before they. before. They...
1: Baby, take it easy.
6: Well, oh, hello, Archie. Hello.
1: What's the idea of trying to pull a fast one on Mr. Wolf?
6: Well, I just had to see him. Please understand. Is this Channing's office? Yes.
1: You told him I was in danger.
6: Ah, at last, the like place to sit down. Well, I had to tell him something to get him down here.
1: He's not happy. You comfortable there, sir?
6: Miss Barkley, come here. Uh, Mr. Wolfe, I can explain. I-, I thought if you were here, where it happened, I mean, if you could see for yourself, then you'd... Young woman, there are many
2: things I'd like to say to you. Oh, now, wait
1: a minute. She was scared,
2: boss. However, oh, well, I'm too short of breath to do them justice. Uh, Archie. Yes? Round up everyone concerned with this case. Right now? Including Mrs. Channing. Get them in here. Yes, sir. You help him, Miss Barkley, and close that window. Yes, Mr. Wolf. Fresh air. I've had enough today, thanks to you, to last me a lifetime. If after all that exposure, (laughs) I live a lifetime. (laughs)
1: What's going on here, anyhow? A tea party. Find yourself seats. Keep your knees steady. All right, Mr. Wolf. everybody's here.
2: Mr. Shoeshine, Kelly? Uh, yes, sir, yes. It was you who found the body.
1: and me, Mr. Wolf. I'm Abe Jackson, a night man.
2: You gentlemen can help us, if you will. Oh, to be sure, Mr. Wolf. I'd like to know the exact position of the body when you found it. Well, he was setting up. Uh, that's it, sir. Setting up straight as you please. You'll oblige me if you'll demonstrate. Sit in the chair, please. His chair, sir? If you please. Uh, Abe, you. Yeah,
1: oh, no, no, not me, not on your life.
2: It's uh, no easy thing you ask, Mr. Wolfe, uh, but uh, I, I'll oblige you. Uh, uh,
4: so, uh, uh, it was like, uh, like this,
2: I'd say. You agree, Mr. Jackson? A little more to the right, maybe. Yeah, that's the way he was. I uh, Yes, sir? Help me with a brief recapitulation.
1: Well, um, so far as we know, Channing made no outcry.
2: Therefore, he could not have been startled by the appearance of the killer.
1: There were powder burns on the body.
2: Therefore, the gun was against Channing when it was fired. His own hand couldn't have held it closer.
1: Nobody heard the shot, probably because this officer's sound proved. The gun that killed him was lying on the floor ten feet from the desk.
2: In the direction of flight through that door. Go on, Archie.
1: The killer was almost certainly well known to Channing, or Channing wouldn't have let him come that close without a struggle or an alarm. Also, the killer had access to this office, another proof that he's not a stranger.
2: One more point, if I may, Archie. The killer, he or she, is present here now.
1: Quiet, everyone.
2: We come now to the point I mentioned to you last night, Archie. The point I call The Sanctity of deskhood.
6: Sanctity of What?
2: Deskhood, Mrs. Jenning. Explain, Archie.
1: Still figure it's so important?
2: Absolutely essential.
1: Well, I wrote it here somewhere. Oh. Deskhood refers to that area behind a desk where a man earns his livelihood, makes his career, builds his reputation. You
2: mean here, where I'm sitting?
1: So long as a man sits at his desk, he enjoys a curious area of privacy. He
2: is remarkably safe from intrusion. That's it, Mr. Wolfe. Sanctity of desk, Think about it a moment. You'll see what I mean.
6: Nonsense. I've gone around that desk hundreds of times. I'm sure she has. Many more hundreds. If you mean what I think you mean, Mrs. Channing, you...
2: Please, lady. Mrs. Channing, when you approached your husband at his desk, what did he do?
6: What did he... Why, he stood up and...
2: He stood up. Sparkly, you agree?
6: Yes, he'd have to stand up. At least he always did. But for his murderer, he did
2: not. Archie, resume from your notes, please. Well, whoever killed
1: Walter Channing went around the desk without Channing rising, held a gun to his chest, and pulled the trigger.
2: Excuse me. If you will go behind the desk and stand facing Mr. Kelly, Archie...
1: Here. This is the way you mean?
2: You know the angle of the body wound or the hole in the chair?
1: There wasn't any angle. One was on a straight line with the other.
2: From where you stand now, in front of Mr. Kelly, if you wish to inflict an identical wound upon him, could you do it?
1: Not from where I stand. I'd have to kneel.
2: You'd have to kneel. Do so. No, please, the murder tableau. Well, oh, no,
4: I, I, you know, I mean, that's what
2: we Question now, who could kneel before Channing, get close enough to kill him from that position without alarming him in the least? Kelly!
6: The
1: me man! Hey, hey, wait a minute now. Shut I... up, you, and sit there.
2: His motive is crystal clear. The
6: memorandum.
2: Memorandum. You have a copy, Archie. In my notebook. Ah, yes. Miss Barkley, read the part which could explain Mr. Kelly's action. No, no,
4: no. The memo know, was it? all
6: over the office. Kelly must have seen oh, it. Oh, wait a minute now. A uh, notice effective at once. Yes, here it is. In the interest of economy, daily shoe shines will be eliminated.
2: That'd cut off Kelly's bread and butter. But
4: Kelly, I can't believe it.
2: Nor can
6: I.
4: What?
2: Obvious Kelly murdered Walter Channing.
4: Mr. Wolf, now listen, I get nothing... But the I...
2: obvious can be too obvious.
1: Meaning what, exactly? Archie? Yes, sir?
2: Brief these people on the ink-stained trousers.
1: Channing spilled ink on his trouser cut the night he was murdered. Somebody tried to clean the spot off. With what? According to the police analysis, carbon tetrachloride and perchloroethylene showed up.
2: Those non-inflammable ingredients used in many commercial cleaners
6: Exactly what are you getting at, Mr. Wolf?
2: One moment, Mrs. Channing. Mr. Goodwin also has an analysis of the spot on the carpet behind the desk. Howdy?
1: A powder form of dye, aniline dye.
2: Used in what, perhaps?
1: Well, uh, the lab suggested a shoe dressing.
2: I got no powder dye. I, I swear I ate, Mr. Wolf. I'm sure you haven't, Mr. Kelly. You'll find this particular type of dressing is used on women's shoes, suede shoes, usually. I don't understand. Wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. Yes, Archie? If a woman... Do... Now, su- suppose a, su- a woman knelt in front of Channing to clean that ink spot off his trouser cup. That smudge could have rubbed off the tip of her shoe out of the carpet.
2: Exactly. I believe you'll find a typewriter cleaner contains tetrachloride and perchlorethylene. Something else
1: just occurred to me. That memo was sent around the morning after Channing was killed. I never thought of that.
2: True, Archie. And for only one purpose, to point suspicion at killing. But
1: when the police didn't take the hint,
2: Go on, Archie. Why then?
1: Somebody else was brought down here who would. Comes around to three questions, doesn't it? Who knew about the memo? Who had access to Channing's file where he kept his gun? And who made sure Nero Wolf would see the evidence against Kelly?
2: Three questions, Archie, with one answer that spells the name of the murderess. Our own client, Brenda Barkey. Steak, Archie, did You like it? I'm not hungry. Indeed, I suggest a tonic.
1: That reminds me. (laughs) I had a call. You had? Doris Channing. She had some idea about my uh, explaining
2: things to her. She found my explanation insufficient? No,
1: but she felt it lacked the
2: personal touch. (laughs) Pooey. Hand me a can of beer. (laughs) However, you do have the evening off. Yes, sir. Keep out of trouble. Hmm. Doris Channing is a blonde. (laughs) That is trying to keep out of trouble. In the company of a
5: blonde who wants to. Good night, sir. Good night, Archie. Good night.
0: Goodness, I would never have seen the rabbit twist coming and the ending of our second episode's terminology, Sanctity of Deskhood. I love this ingenious supposition, the nature of working at a desk, his killer, and Walter Channing's murderer, with two identical wound entry points. There were some really interesting deductions by Nero, and it was really great to see him and Archie, not only out and about but also at a location to really immerse us in the scene, the people, and the duo in full action. Seriously, listening to them both in their element was fascinating. The second episode had a lower quality, but a brilliant tale, and I hope you enjoyed both mates. I've also taken some feedback on the frequencies and high pitches in other episodes for those that are more sensitive to those higher frequencies, so I've worked extra hard to limit those peaks and background musical notes. I hope they're even better on the years than usual. Now, I want to say a massive thank you to my Hall of Famer, my O night T Titan supporter, the majestic and fantastic Maya, the Queen of Cats, as my mega Patreon supporter, forever remembered by their brilliant contribution to this show. Thank you immensely, Maya. And my white tea warlord, Lesosaurus Rex aka Reximus Prime, Dudio, thank you so much for your support. I have funneled your funds right into upkeep. Hosting on SoundCloud and Audioboom adds up of course, and your support keeps the lights a pumpin' and the audio bubblin'. The three biggest culprits of my upkeep costs are SoundCloud, Audioboom, and Photoshop. Goodness! Adobe is expensive. So, thanks to amazing and brilliant people like yourself, Letter, I am able to reduce the hit when it comes to those overheads. You're a legend, mate. Don't you ever forget it. And thank you very, very much. And my brilliant Earl Grey enforcers, I am lucky to have Just Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffelli, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Solstra, And Paige Kramer. And my remaining supporters, Catherine Mason and Sunshine Date. Thank you all for listening, you loveliest of people. Now, write your story, share your tale, make it creepy or something silly about a snail. But remember that little tremor that crawls up your spine, or the tingle that makes you smile from a perfect plot line. That's the magic of storytelling. Like tea, it's divine. You took the time to listen to me, and you think that it was your treat. But I thank you, my friends, for the listen. And as always, till next we meet.